Tall tales, whoppers, bamboozling, hornswoggling, horseshit, and bullshit, my friends. Another week in America, another hot bowl of charlatan soup offered up to the American people by the Donald. We will talk about all that in today's episode, especially as it relates to the election, how the election will actually work, and why we all need to understand that and understand it now. We can consider it our own personal vaccination against misinformation, at least on this one topic. We will discuss that, our Black Lives Matter moment, of course, and more in this week's episode. Welcome back to Pop Into Politics, episode 14, everyone. Episode 14. I can't believe I've been doing this for 14 weeks. This is Colby here from New York City. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. If you like what you've been hearing, rate me and subscribe or follow on your favorite platform. Can I just say off topic how much I enjoy the word hornswoggling? I'm going to need to incorporate that into my daily vernacular. Hornswoggling, which means to get the better of someone by cheating or deception. Fortunately, everyone in America has yet to be hornswoggled, <laughs> so there is hope. Thinking about some highlights from the week, hopefully everyone who is listening, your family members, your friends, are safe and well and healthy, especially as it relates to the coronavirus, and have not contracted herd mentality, as our idiot president said last week during his town hall. Although, in his defense, that might have been a Freudian slip on the president's part, as clearly herd mentality. Herd mentality is an affliction that many Americans seem to have in relation to the president and his policy. Herd mentality. We are in trouble, folks. But all jokes aside, I do feel like I need to take a minute on my little platform here. So here in the States, we are on our way to crossing yet another grim milestone of 200,000 American deaths in seven months many of which did not need, actually it's a little less than seven months, but many of which did not need to occur. And I think for those of us who are sensible and read and just, I I don't know, like are aware that the sky is blue, it's been fairly evident that this didn't need to happen this way. But because the president is such an egomaniac and had to talk to Bob Woodward, that has been confirmed to us because he, as I mentioned last week, was aware of the danger of this virus and what that would mean for the American people. Uh, a little update from last week's episode. Of course, as I mentioned, there was a firestorm. The firestorm hasn't ended for the president on this issue. But he did have an opportunity on several occasions to refute passages in the book, to acknowledge mistakes that maybe he's made. He has not done that. He has now doubled down and has informed the American people that he read the book. I read the book and it was very boring. It was very boring, according to him, which is funny because he doesn't read anything. He told us before that he doesn't read books. Like, well, he's a stable genius. He doesn't need to read books. But he did read this one, or so we are to believe. And it is, quote, fine. Uh, he was actually asked that on Fox News. He did a press conference where, again, he had an opportunity to lie his way about the book. But I guess maybe there are too many tapes or it's Bob Woodward and he's not really going to... I don't know, but for once, he's actually not lying about what he has said in this book. He did say in one of his uh, press conferences this week that there's lots of good quotes. There are many, many good quotes in the book. If you read it, many good quotes. And it's like, I don't know, Donald. I don't know. 
But so with that being said, the point of all of that is, is that we now know that this did not need to happen this way. And so I just, I wanted to take a minute for myself, actually, like I said, on my little tiny platform here to acknowledge this milestone, which is truly astonishing and a sad moment in history. And for me, the only thing I can think to do to honor the victims of this, the families, and the fact that we're actually not out of this. And even as of last week, the president arguing with the CDC director who was saying very basic things, saying, motherfuckers, mofos, put on a mask. Of course, he didn't say motherfuckers. But that's basically what he was saying in CDC speak as professionally as possible. And to have the president even now turn around and to get on TV and talk about the fact that people, they don't like the touchy-touchy in the mask and they touch the mask and the waiters and they touch the plates. It, it, it's too much. So the only way that I think to honor these victims is to ensure that Donald Trump and co, his enablers, the family, everyone, that there's a nice big U-Haul truck outside on Pennsylvania Avenue, or excuse me, on Black Lives Matter way, and that he needs to be voted out of office. I mean, that that's apparently our kind of last backstop against him. And hopefully it's a U-Haul truck that's big enough for Melania and all her pretty dresses and shoes. But they need to get the fuck out. They do. They don't got to go home, but they've got to get out of our home at the White House. So, which is a good segue into my housekeeping segment. America, girl, you know your house ain't been right. Now get it together. Okay, so speaking of voting and getting the Trumps out of office, there are 42 days now to the presidential election. So many, many states now at this point in September are beginning to send out their mail-in ballots to people across the country. You should check what's going on in your state. I've said this for weeks, but get a plan. Get a plan. You need to know your plan. Encourage your friends and family to have a plan. People should understand their election plan the way people kind of seem to be aware that like the Kardashians' bodies are not natural. That's what I think. So, yeah. If you have any friends or family who say they won't vote, disown them. No. (laughs) I'm kidding. Although I have a few family members who apparently, I'm learning through the grapevine, are confused. So maybe my family and I, we can stage some interventions. But yes, get a plan. My second housekeeping item, which is actually more of a call for people to kind of open up their hearts a little bit, it's about the West Coast wildfires. So in last week's episode, I did mention the fires and just climate change. At that point, I really wasn't prepared to mention anything about anyone I personally know. But for the first time in my life, I know someone whose family um, have lost several homes in these fires. And I was a little stunned to hear that from someone who has family in Oregon. And again, not a house, not one family member, multiple family members. I don't know her family personally, but I, I do know her. And I. it really kind of just bothered me, for lack of a better word. And so I went ahead and through GoFundMe, donated what I had to her family's GoFundMe page. Speaking of GoFundMe.com, if you go there, they have just a general victim fund. Oop, 
I don't know if, if you guys heard that. That's my alcohol for today's episode. It's a little bit of gin and strawberry watermelon in Mio in a fancy glass. Anyway, back on target here. That That is an avenue for people to donate whatever it is you might have. I mean, hundreds of people are losing their homes, and I just think anything that we can do in any amount could help. And the second place, of course, uh, the Red Cross is also, I guess the Red Cross is always available to accept donations. Also, there's a specific Northwest wildfire section or the ability to donate that way. So something for us, I just think, to consider what's going on with our fellow Americans out on the West Coast. And then my last housekeeping item also is about money. (laughs) And I know money can be tight for people, but it is about the presidential election and down ballot races. And unfortunately, elections are expensive in the United States. We have not done campaign finance in a meaningful way. And so this is a system that we have, but money is needed. And so if there's a particular candidate, obviously in the presidential election, Joe Biden needs to be Joe Biden. Um, who you're willing to donate. Again, it can be anything, $5, $10. It doesn't need to be anything extravagant, but donations and money is needed. And so you can consider that as well as down ballot candidates in your state or even people who are not in your state. So I adore, there's a representative, Katie Porter from California. And I just think she is amazing and does great work in Congress. So that is someone who I have donated to this season. In Kentucky, in that Senate race between Turtle Mitch and Amy McGrath, I've donated there because, I mean, Mitch McConnell is Darth Vader and we'd like have to get him out of the, at least attempt to get him out of the Senate. And unfortunately, it doesn't look like that's going to happen based on the, the most recent polling. I mean, she's down by like eight points, but I did want to at least try So those are my housekeeping things. Get your plan. Know what it is. Know it like you know your Jay-Z songs. Know it like I know how to vote. Know it, know it, know it. And consider whether it be with the West Coast fires or, like I said, some extra dollars to other candidates and campaigns. Okay, so now let me get to what I actually wanted to talk about in this episode, which is the vaccination of... Misinformation in regards to our upcoming presidential election, because the president of the United States is working overtime to confuse, conflate, to make people not believe in the system. So, point one. First, just in terms of the presidential election, Joe is leading nationally and in a number of swing states, but we cannot write off the president of the United States. The Electoral College does some kind of wonky things is the easiest way to put it. And in terms of Trump, he's like a roach that's climbed into a bag of Cheetos and has come out covered in Cheeto dust to torment us in our sleep. He's relentless. The point of this is he does not seem to be going away. He has no shame. He doesn't seem to be able to be squashed. He could still win. And most likely that would look like an electoral college win while once again losing the popular vote, which would be historic to have a president who's lost the popular vote twice. But that seems to be pretty clear that that will happen. He's not going to win the popular vote, which I'm sure like really gets his goat, but that's just is what it is. So there's that. Point two, the states, the states control elections, which 
is going to be incredibly messy this election cycle, but it's a really good thing in this particular moment in history. Meaning Trump does not and cannot formally call a race in any given state. He cannot certify the results in any state. And they all do different things. And so it is very hard for him to control that process, which is why he's fiddling with the mail and trying to get people not to put in their ballots. Or he's trying to, he's trying to do all these other shenanigans because at the end of the day, that isn't the process that he can fully control. He can only start to make people not believe in the system. Point three, there will be states most likely that are not done or will not be called on election night. That might be too close to call. Some of the states that do mail-in ballots like Pennsylvania, which is having all sorts of other shenanigans at the moment, actually. But Pennsylvania, they don't even start opening their mail-in ballots or whatever to begin counting them until the in-person part ends. So, okay, well, if there's this surge in votes in that way, that's going to slow that process down. Pennsylvania is a very important state in presidential and electoral politics, so that could be problematic just as an example. But that might not be all of the states. There might be some states where they've actually started counting before election day, what's been being mailed to them. Look, in some states, like Joe Biden is really up in Minnesota. That's an important state. He's up at the moment. Maybe his in-person turnout is good. And so that state can be called. So it might get messy, but messy doesn't mean illegal. Messy doesn't mean fraud. And messy doesn't mean that there's not a process in how to handle that. And when we're talking to our friends and family, A, we should be prepared for that, that that's going to happen. It's not as if it's never happened before in the country's history. Maybe not to the degree we might see in 2020, but there are processes and systems in place. Point four, if Trump is leading on election night by same-day in-person voting and, and appears to be winning in the Electoral College, he most likely will claim a win, despite the high possibility that there are a whole bunch of ballots that are out there in this election, in the mail, that have not been processed or counted. And that certainly could be, would not be ideal. It would be ideal if Joe Biden is leading in in-person voting and it looks like he is winning the Electoral College on election night, because then you could also argue just based on voting patterns, oh, and there's all of these ballots that are outstanding. We know that at least a good section of them will go to Mr. Biden. So that point four thing, we don't really know. But again, we need to be prepared that if Trump's leading, he very well may very quickly, especially if it looks like he's winning the Electoral College, claim victory, even though we actually might not have all of the evidence to votes that we need. And we need to be prepared that like, that's bullshit that he's doing that. When we're talking to friends and family, we shouldn't be shocked that that's happening. And we should be able to explain to people why that's bullshit, just in terms of public sentiment. Point five, unless Trump wins, regardless of what happens, he's already setting up a pretty robust legal team to challenge the ballots in all of these states. 
I shouldn't say all of these states, but in more than one, whichever ones that they think that they should win or just even to slow down the process or to basically, most likely, try to get ballots thrown out saying that they were not certified by the proper date or they were late or they're going to try to do the thing with signatures. They'll try to get them thrown out. The good news is that the Biden campaign has also set up a pretty robust legal team prepared to fight these battles in court in different states. Al Gore in 2000 with George W. Bush, and that was only one state with Florida, really, but the Gore campaign was kind of caught flat-footed. So it is good to know that the Biden camp is already, look, if we have to do recounts, there's nothing wrong with doing recounts. Point six, states must certify their results by the safe harbor deadline, which is December 8th, 2020. So in short, this kind of provision put into place after the debacle of the 2000 election. But at this point, it provides that in any contested election in any state, the state prior to election day has enacted procedures to settle controversies or contests over electors and electoral votes. And if these procedures have been applied and results have been determined six days before the electors meetings, these results are considered to be conclusive and will apply in the counting of the electoral votes. So just thinking about that out loud between election day and December 8th, 2020, I am sure if there are places that people are fighting about, the Biden and Trump campaign are fighting about, they will be busy during that time period. Point seven, the electors actually vote. The Electoral College delegation meets and votes on December 14th of 2020. I love the language, this ridiculous language. The Monday after the second Wednesday in December of presidential election years. (laughs) So that is December 14th in 2020. And they will meet in their respective states and the District of Columbia at places designated by the state legislature to cast their votes. One of the things I know comes up a lot of times with folks, I've heard this recently, my vote doesn't count, my vote doesn't count, the Electoral College, and it's like, your vote does count, your vote counts. Yes, we have this kind of crazy system. Most states do not allow faithless electors. So the state of Pennsylvania, for instance, I'm going to pick on PA again, votes for Biden by law. Those electors who are selected for the electoral college then need to go ahead and cast their vote for uh, Joe Biden. So ironically, historically, that's probably not, that is not what the founders would have intended, but that's what we have done in our representative democracy. I'm actually going to jump to point eight, which is January the 6th of 2021, a joint session of Congress to count electoral votes and declare the official election results takes place. There's another opportunity there if there are issues for people to kind of settle matters. So let's say a member of Congress wants to throw out something, who knows for what reason, need to get into all of that. But that needs to actually be resolved on that day. There's a time limit on that day to (laughs) declare and certify results. And then, of course, finally, in the Constitution itself, January the 20th at noon is when the next president of the United States and all of the powers and things assigned to that person, whether it be Donald Trump who gets to keep them or Joe Biden, where that would happen. In between some of these dates, if there are lawsuits, the courts are going to rule on things. 
I imagine specifically between the time period of November 3rd through December 8th or December 14th. We should anticipate that potentially, potentially. But if there's like a blowout for Joe Biden and people do what they need to do, that might not be an issue. So I just wanted to kind of lay out that process, lay out that there most likely could be some lawsuits by either campaign in certain states, recounts in certain states. And yes, the courts might need to get involved in this, but it's going to be in between these dates. Point nine, which you know doesn't exactly have anything to do with the Electoral College, but just our president who's been pretty vocal about wanting his supporters to do poll watching, wanting basically to intimidate people. Again, doing everything he can, telling people to vote twice in North Carolina, just nonsense. But for people who are going to the polls, especially in certain states, I'm here in New York City. And so life in New York City is a little different than what I imagine could be in Georgia or parts of North Carolina at certain polling uh, precincts. People might want to be prepared to bring a friend. I wouldn't be surprised if there are vigilantes at certain polling locations in certain states. We have a history of that in this country. And we actually have a president actively saying some, using this language and talking about this out loud. So again, I think people just need to get themselves into a frame of mind of like, yes, this is what's going to happen. This is the potential. And to get rid of Donald, we're going to have to go through this experience as well as a country uh, and to be prepared for it, not to be shocked, not to act like, oh, he's not going to really do it. He's going to do it. He's telling us practically every single day that he's going to do it, that he's going to contest the election if he doesn't win. That's what he's been saying. It hasn't been, oh, you know, I'm concerned about a particular state or I mean, it's just flat out. If I don't win, it's rigged. And if it's rigged, he's going to fight. So we need to be prepared for the fight mentally to kind of have some idea of these deadlines, the process. Okay, they're counting. It's fine that they might be recounting or that a judge is looking at something from November 3rd up until December 14th, for instance. We just kind of need to have some of these points in our mind. But at some point, because of that constitutional federal stop in January 20th at noon, certain things are going to need to move along. So that I just felt like I needed to do an episode where I talked about some of that. So there it is. That concludes my vaccination of misinformation as it relates to the election. Hopefully just having some of those points, some of those things make us feel a little better or at least a little more knowledgeable about the process, which I do think as things start to get a little crazy in the next couple of months regarding this, it will be important for us as citizens, logical people to keep this process in mind. And I just thought that I should have an episode that covered this. And hopefully that was not too boring for people. I'm super excited for next week because next week, and maybe more than one episode, I will be talking to a Pennsylvania voter, speaking of Pennsylvania, a friend of mine who lives in a rural white working class, is white, just having a conversation about what's going on out there. Weeks and weeks ago, I spoke with uh, the ladies from the podcast of Bring the Mio and trying to get a sense of what's going on in Arizona. I'm super interested to know what's happening in Pennsylvania and her perspective on the Trump voter. She's surrounded by them. And of course, like I said, there is some shenanigans already brewing just with producing the ballots in Pennsylvania. So that should be interesting in the coming weeks. 
So I normally don't always talk about what I'm going to do the next episode, but I'm excited about that. So we're going to kind of continue this voting discussion next week. And as usual, I'm going to wrap up my episode with my Black Lives Matter moment. And I'm going to go back to Rochester, New York, because there's more information that has come out of Rochester. So I mentioned last week briefly about institutions and that in terms of the issues that I think people in the BLM movement are looking for, things aren't going to get solved necessarily by just going ahead and filling police departments with African-American officers, right? So it came out in the New York Times this week that the Rochester PD withheld documents in Daniel Prude's case, lots of emails, basically decided to withhold them the police chief who tried to resign to get his pension, but then ultimately got fired. And all of his protesting of, oh, I'm being misrepresented and that's not who I am. And that's, yes, you are. You concealed information about this case intentionally. It is in writing that they did that. Went out of their way to try to blame the delays on releasing it on like an overworked employee. Didn't want to turn over the information to the family's attorney for obvious reasons. And yeah, we're not honest. We're not honest. Did not do the right thing by this family who's now lost a loved one. And so I I had said that, you know, it would remain to be seen whether or not what the facts would, you know, bear out. But yet again, another example, and it's like these communities do not and will not trust the police departments that are supposed to protect and serve them until, at a minimum, they're just honest with like the facts and the evidence until they stop doing that sort of nonsense, as well as, of course, stop like killing people when they don't need to have excessive force used against them. So I had felt that that would eventually come out, but this week it did come out in the New York Times. I'm glad it came out so that this police chief and the police department can stop pretending that they, oh, that's not what happened. And we just, yes, it did. Yes, it did. That's what happened. You knew what you did and you deserve to lose your jobs. So if you do right, don't lose your job. If you're doing wrong, lose your job. And that, and there needs to be more of that. And of course, the settlement for Breonna Taylor and her family and the fact that that $12 million and not that money is going to bring Breonna back, but this is our capitalist system and dollars and things do matter. And that settlement being apparently the largest for a wrongful death for like an African-American woman in terms of these matters as it relates to the police. And so that's good. But as her family has stated they are still looking for justice for her and for these officers to be arrested. So that cause in the fight endures in terms of justice for Brianna Taylor. Say her name. With that being said, I am going to conclude this week's episode. I want to thank everyone for listening. Stay safe, stay well, and until next time, have a great week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I'll be back every Monday with new episodes. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe or follow me. You can find me on Apple, Spotify, Google, Alexa, wherever you prefer to find your podcasts. You can also follow my Instagram at Pop Into Politics. Until next time, sending good vibes and well wishes to you all. Thanks for listening.